0: I want to have like cold hard evidence behind like the spiritual stuff. And I, I believe that you can't have one without the other. You can't have science without spirituality because yeah. otherwise you have missing parts and you can't have spirituality without science because otherwise you're just way too like up there.
1: All right, here's a little bit of context for today's conversation. Now, Liana is mostly known as Gem Goddess Online and she specializes in YouTube. I mean, I've been following her on YouTube for years. She's got over 70 million views on YouTube. So a lot of people love what she's doing with over 815,000 subscribers. Now, she talks about tarot and astrology a lot, but we didn't really even get into those in today's conversation. So if you want to get something a little bit different from her, this is definitely that episode. All right. So we talked about philosophical rabbit holes and spirituality and awakening and so many things. I mean, it's just filled with so many gems, literally pun intended. Check out the chapters right below. And that's going to give you an idea if you want to listen to specific parts. Otherwise, I think I really enjoy this conversation. We've got one sponsor today, and that sponsor is my book, 10 Secrets of Awakening, The Secrets to Understanding Consciousness, Self-Realization, and Self-Transformation. A lot of the things we talk about today are in my book as well. So if you feel called, check it out. Otherwise, let's get into it. I'm almost at the point where I want to try and see how can I, I don't know if, Proving is the right word, but how can I start to show people that these concepts, which might be subjective, have evidence behind them? Now, I know that there's subjective evidence because a lot of people say manifestation works, but what is the, what is the thing that we can get? Maybe there's patterns that we can study. Yeah. And I think that if we bring psychology into it and we can understand it from a psychological perspective, that can just give us one more piece of evidence. You know, then you have people like Andrew Huberman who are into like the chemical, maybe Dr. Joe who's into the chemicals as well. And so I think it's kind of all bringing it together into this like beautiful sphere where we can understand that we can create a reality. But, you know, how does that work from a psychological perspective? You know,
0: absolutely. And when we have like a limiting belief that stands in our way, for example, if you believe like I cannot earn enough money, naturally we know like you're not even going to be looking at opportunities and even if an opportunity does come your way for making more money you're probably not going to believe that you're worthy of it or you're going to be like oh that's too good to be true it would never happen to me and so we're not going to make certain choices and so looking at it from more of sort of a reality kind of perspective about how manifestation actually happens with our mind when we kind of get past a lot of our limiting beliefs we step into an entirely new world of opportunities. Then opportunities come your way and you'll actually take them or you also expand your mind into thinking of more opportunities because we're not even gonna spend time, our brain isn't gonna be even thinking of things if we close off that doorway. It's kind of like we just limit our mind and our brain. But right, right when we break through a limiting belief and we say, okay, I am worthy, I'm worthy of making X amount of money, I'm worthy of attaining the job that I really want, all of a sudden you've taken away that barrier and your mind can now travel and daydream about all the different ways or pathways of creating something that you truly desire. You literally, you literally like unblock your brain. So I think a lot of manifestation deals with getting past limiting beliefs and unblocking your brain from different patterns we've grown up with. A lot of people, um, myself included, I'd say almost everyone kind of gets beliefs a lot from their childhood, Mm -hmm. the way that our parents are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: hundred percent. Yeah. know I have, I have plenty and I still have some, yeah, <laughs> you know, that we're working through. And I think it's a continual process, but you kind of see as you take the journey, mm-hmm. more gets revealed to you, but yet you progress further. You know, that's why we've got Universe a Game because it's like there's levels almost, you know. Yeah. And then you might take a belief away or let go of a belief, and then you get to that next level, but you understand that there's still more levels. But at the same time, I don't know about you, but... The further I progress, I'm realizing how valuable the journey is. Not just a destination, because it's like the journey, there is no at the destination, there is no real transformation. Cause you're there, but that's fun and that's great. But there's something beautiful about the journey that when I was in the thick of it, like really the thick of it, you know, when I was completely I when we're talking about money, most of my life, you know, my family didn't have money at all. I don't come from trust fund money or anything like that. I come from, I'm not saying this to like pity in, in, Mm -hmm. in any sort of pity sense, but more like just so you understand and other people understand who are listening. It's where I came from. I remember one winter, we didn't have enough money to put propane in the propane. So then we heated the house with the oven. And that was kind of like the starting point where I started to realize how much money can bring happiness but it doesn't bring fulfillment and i think those are two different things because i think there's a lot of people out there who are doing things and they have a lot of money but then their fulfillment aspect of it isn't there as well like do they feel like they're doing something that's helping others or you could say helping or serving you know there's that service mentality that a lot of people even the spiritual community have But also. I think it's about having fun too, you know? Like, do you have to do something that you don't like doing in order to make a certain amount of money to then enjoy your weekends, you know?
0: Exactly. And that's such a great point that you brought up about enjoying the journey. I think the journey is actually the most important thing. And a lot of us continue to think about the destination that we want to get to. But the journey is like one of the most important parts because that's where you learn so much about yourself and that's where you go through a lot of self-development. Like I would not be who I am today without going through like deep, dark, dark moments. And the dark moments are actually like they end up being really big blessings later on. And you never know it, know it in the moment. Like in the moment when you're in a dark place, you're like, my life is over. I feel depressed. I don't feel like getting out of bed. You know, we go through these kind of dark moments, but those are actually, I feel like such a blessing and such a gift because that's where we get to kind of face where our current block is. And I think those are the biggest transformative moments where you can learn so much in that time and that's like what's going to take you to the highest of highs because you'll learn so much about yourself during those really deep moments. You know, that's where you learn what you're truly capable of. That's where you grow strength and capability. And I almost kind of uh, see it like metaphorically as, you know, you go to the gym and it's not easy. You don't go to the gym being like, I'm going to get a really good bod and I'm going to be really healthy by doing something that's easy and fun. Like the gym can be fun but if you really want to like make progress it's gonna hurt it's gonna burn the next day you're gonna be feeling kind of crappy you're gonna you're gonna walk on stairs you're like this sucks and so i feel like whenever we go to attain a or reach for a really high goal we have to go through like some struggle in order to learn how to become that type of energy Mm -hmm. that's what i feel like so even if you're wanting to attract your soulmate for example Let's say that we have some personality traits that we need to work on that we don't even see in ourselves. And that's our shadow side. Our shadow side is the part of ourselves that is unconscious. We don't see it very often. It's the shadow.
1: Mm -hmm. And
0: um, Mm -hmm. in order to attract your soulmate, let's say that we have these unconscious parts of ourselves. And before we attract our soulmate, as we're putting out that energy and we're like, "Uh, universe, I'm trying to manifest my soulmate. All of a sudden you're going to be attracting to yourself all the things that are going to teach you about that shadow side of yourself so that you can become the person that you need to be in order to be a soulmate, in order to be on the level that your soulmate is at, right? And so I feel like we attract to ourselves um, moments that transform us greatly and very deeply, and those are blessings. So even if you're going through a hard time, see it as a blessing and try to find what it's sort of teaching you. Um, That's what Mm -hmm. I always tell myself when I'm going through hard times, I ask myself, what is this teaching me on a deep level? Like, what am I supposed to learn from this? How can I grow better myself instead of blaming, you know, anything externally? I think that's where a lot of us kind of fail and fall into a pattern is we tend to blame the external world. We're like, oh, I'm suffering because of this. I'm suffering because of that. And while all those can be valid, there's also another aspect within ourselves that we could also learn to heal from and grow from. And that's where you're gonna kind of learn to break that pattern, break that wheel, and then go on to a new level, basically.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's hard to tell people that in order to bring in that person you wanna bring in, that they've got to change,
0: you know? <laughs> it's it's so, like, that's not, yeah. it's not what people want to hear. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and I'm not saying that anybody has to be perfect. Right. Because that's, yeah. that's not true either. I mean, you learn so much from relationships. And even if you're attracting your soulmate, you'll learn a lot from that as well. Um, on the topic of soulmates, I also think a lot of people get caught up in the idea of like, is this person my soulmate or are they not my soulmate? And if we tend to get caught up into that, one thing I'll say is, you know, we live in a very like mystical kind of world. There's not a lot of answers to really anything. And even in science, like we're learning new things that disprove old stuff all the time. And so when we're asking ourselves like, is this my soulmate? How do I find out? Is, is Are they going to be my soulmate? I always just tell people like, just relax and enjoy the experience of what it is and try to learn from it. Be your best self and you're, you'll discover along the way. And even if they don't end up being your soulmate, you're still on that journey. And if we can kind of like fill ourselves with what we're wanting if we're wanting a soulmate if we're wanting romance i always tell people fill yourself up with that and then you're going to feel that within every experience that you have in the world you'll feel that you'll create that so even if you're maybe not with your soulmate if you know how to create romance for yourself if you know how to be your own soulmate you're not going to be like feeling a, a something missing inside of you anymore you're not going to feel that you're just going to enjoy any moment that you have with any person on the planet and it'll be so much more fulfilling in that aspect yeah yeah
1: you said something i haven't heard and i have never heard before but i want to dive into okay be your own soulmate
0: (laughs) all right let's Let's talk talk about that
1: because yeah that's an interesting concept
0: this is getting to know for me and it's probably going to be different for everybody right because everyone's kind of different and for me being my own soulmate has been discovering more about myself and what i truly enjoy i feel like when we spend time alone and we really get to know our inner world our inner self and we really ask ourselves some bigger questions like if you reflect back on all of your favorite memories of life write down why was that my favorite memory why did i like that and then you're going to discover like i really like romance or i really like the moments where i'm laughing or i really like the moments where i am you know, in the sunshine or outside or you'll you'll learn a lot of like key things about yourself. And then if you can go on a journey of finding ways to provide that for yourself without looking for it, you know, in somebody else or in another thing, but you really learn how to create that for yourself, you're going to create the most amazing life for yourself and you won't ever be reliant on anything else anymore, which will actually set you free. That is actually the definition, in my opinion, of freedom is when you learn how to be your own soulmate. And you kind of, you know, you'll get into a relationship, for example, once you're your own soulmate, you'll notice that your relationships improve. So when you get into a relationship, when you're your own soulmate, you're no longer going to look at the other person and say, I need you to show up for me in this way. I need you to do this for me. And why aren't you showing me enough of this? And you didn't show me enough confirmation of this. Once you're your own soulmate, those tend to fade away a lot. And maybe they don't fade away 100%, but they fade away so much to where your relationships will improve a lot. You know, with your family, with your friends, with your lover, with anybody, you will be so much more fulfilled yourself, and you won't necessarily need to draw that from other people or from other experiences. Um, so you won't feel as like lost, and you won't feel as unfulfilled anymore. You're really just providing providing that fulfillment for yourself, and that's when I really think you're in alignment with living your dream life that's that moment. It's like you create it yourself. You don't really necessarily need it from all these other places. You just find out, how can I do that? And if you're the maker of that, then you're in control of your entire experience. Nothing will really bother you as much as it ever did before.
1: Which is something that I feel like everyone could benefit from from not needing as much, which is tough because a lot of times our mind tricks us into thinking we need another person in order to be happy, especially when it comes to Relationships. But it's almost like if you can just, I've heard the term be your own best friend, but I think this is taking it to another level, mm-hmm. you know, to where you are now just so complete in yourself that, you know, even if we're talking about manifestation, then you would almost drop the resistance of not having it. Cause mm-hmm. I think that's a lot of manifestation to me. And I think that's what people like Neville Goddard taught that i felt like i resonated so much with it was the law of assumption and and being in that state i think he says in his words of the wish fulfilled being in as though it's already done and then there's other people who will take that a step further and look in the in the bible and will start to see things like uh wordings of jesus christ and it is done when they pray and and what does that actually mean? Is that subtle hints? You know, Neville Goddard goes pretty far as to say that Jesus Christ is your imagination. So that's like another level, you know? And I'm not sure if I'm completely there yet. I mean, I think I I understand the premise because if you think about how if Jesus could do these things, then what does that have to do with his imagination and how did he kind of blend reality as we know it with another level kind of like they do in the matrix movies right
0: yeah that's always an interesting concept and the concept of jesus is so interesting because i've heard so many interpretations from you know different perspectives and sides of of that yeah and Mm -hmm. i've also heard the perspective of of jesus being a symbol of the sun like he's the son of god which in Mm -hmm. some ways you can interpret as the actual sun You know, and it does kind of follow the path of astrology. Like Jesus's life kind of follows the path of that, which is interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, and also, um, you know the the picture of like the Last Supper that Mm -hmm. that drawing. Um, there's actually you know his twelve disciples, and they actually kind of match up with the the signs of the zodiac. Even with the way that they're sort of like sitting, and the way that they look, kind of matches the signs of the zodiac, which is kind of interesting. And then Jesus has the halo over his head, which kind of looks like a sun, and then you have like the twelve zodiac signs that are right there it's kind of interesting yeah yeah
1: it could be there's so much such a such a yeah that's another you know going back to what you said we don't know <laughs>
0: we don't know that's something
1: i've had to embrace it's mm-hmm. like even though i've come to that conclusion it's it's hard because science will start to say repeatable things equals fact and i think it was max Planck who said even though a quantum physicist and he said even though the rules of nature, they seem to be laws or seem to be the ways that it work now doesn't mean they're always gonna work like that. And I I'm paraphrasing that's not the exact quote. But it was something along the lines of this thought process that just because it works one way in one area doesn't mean it necessarily translates to it's always gonna be that
0: way. Right.
1: And how I first thought of that was have you ever seen um have you ever seen Loki? Did you see that uh, T V show?
0: Loki? Loki. Yeah. Like As in the the Avengers. Oh no, no, I don't think I have. No,
1: okay. Well, they explore in that show how there was a. I don't know if I want to spoil it for you. That's what I'm doing. I'm like thinking, do I want to spoil this for you? I'm gonna keep it so it's no spoilers. Okay, okay? Okay. Basically, they explore this concept that there was one timeline, and then if you went outside of that timeline. And you are variant, and you were be taken care of. And there was only one. But then they like basically, in short, oh, that might be a spoiler.
0: <laughs> it's okay, spoil it if you okay. need to.
1: <laughs> they basically ruin that, so it's it's now it's a multiverse. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of led me to really think that maybe it's not always a multiverse, maybe it's not always one timeline, maybe it's something that changes over time, and. You know, going back to Jesus, I don't even know if this relates, but Jesus is someone. It's such a mystical figure that we don't really know either. Mm-hmm. Like he, some people don't even think he exists. Some people think he absolutely did. Some people think, you know, he's there's a whole religion based on him. And so, I think it's hard to say for sure. But we can start to see, especially when you're talking about paintings like the Last Supper. There's so many drawings and paintings by like Leonardo da Vinci and these other painters who encoded information in a time where you couldn't really talk about it to maybe share what they thought. Like maybe that was, they were depicting it in that way because they found he, that's, he was trying to, that's what he was trying to tell us. And you're basically cracking the code, you know? Yeah,
0: that's so true. And I, I honestly love all the different interpretations because if you look at people's different interpretations of the Bible of Jesus, of that story, we've kind of taken a lot of great lessons from it. So whether it was true or not, like, I think that's something we'll probably never discover because we can find a bunch of evidence for the fact that he did and the fact that he didn't. So at the end of the day, it's just going to contradict itself. But I think when we just look at the fact that there's some really good lessons in there, there's some really good information about, you know, what we can take away and apply to our own lives. And that's like the beautiful part about it. So getting lost in whether something is real or not or anything about the universe, just ask yourself, what can I take away from this and learn from it that's going to enhance my life?
1: Or even how could I experience it if I'm contemplating whether it's real? How can I go down the rabbit hole of attempting to experience it? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, uh, if you want to experience the rainbow body, you know, there's plenty of practitioners who are in Tibetan Buddhism trying to get that (laughs) rainbow body. I just (laughs) talked to 5D consciousness, and he was talking about the rainbow bodies, and that's basically what they've dedicated their lives to doing. And that's what he's dedicated his life to doing. Yeah,
0: and the rainbow body is basically when you dissolve your entire body and go into spirit, right? That's basically the entire concept of rainbow body, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Thing, no, yeah, 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 the whole
1: thing disintegrates. Yeah,
0: that is so wild to me. And um, just recently, well actually, it was like a couple years ago, I um, was diving into a little bit about uh, Yogananda, like the autobiography of a yogi. Um, they made a documentary about that. And from what I remember about the ending of that, he knew that he was done his mission on earth and he was so in tune with his own body that he chose to just like stop his own heart and then, you know, pass on because he knew that he was done. So he like chose that and it was interesting because when like the doctors kind of looked at his body, they were like, okay, there was no heart attack. There was no this, there was no that, like what happened? And he'd even said on stage, I think it was on stage that he decided to like pass away. And he had that much control over his body that he was just like, okay, that's what I'm gonna do. I think his whole body was still left there. So I d- he didn't rainbow body or anything, but he had that much awareness over his own body and there's um like yogis off um like in different parts of the world that are known to meditate for days at a time without food, without water, without coming out of that meditation. But mm-hmm. they're able to kind of like slow their heart rate down enough to where they're not taking and utilizing too many like nutrients in the body so they can stay in a meditation for so long, you know. Yeah. And to think like in Western culture, we don't have that much control over our bodies, nor are we even remotely taught to have that much control. Like that's not even a concept that we're interested in on the Western yeah. side, which kind of blows my mind. Cause I'm like, I'd be kind of interested in that. <laughs> you know? Right? Imagine like the different uh, states you can experience, especially cause like time doesn't, you know, truly exist. And so getting into kind of like deep meditations, imagine how much learning that you could do. Like for example, in a lucid dream, you could practice public speaking over and over and over again. And let's say you're only in a lucid dream for an hour, but sometimes I've had dreams that, you know, I'm only asleep for eight hours, but I feel like my dream lasted years, you know? Like if you could go into those deep states of meditation and you're meditating for an hour um, a day, whatever it ends up being, Mm -hmm. you can actually have and expand into such a deep experience In your mind, like you could live through a whole experience for days, for months, even in a meditation that only lasted truly a day in our real time.
1: Just breaking down the (laughs) laws. They're not laws, are they? They're like, that's why I kind of struggle with when people say laws of the universe. It's kind of like they're more guideposts for the normal, ordinary world that we live in, but you can go outside of those. So it's like, I don't even know if laws works because we think well, but then laws can be broken. So I guess it kind of works in this. But I, you know, for me, I growing up, it was like you can't break any laws. So in my mind, I have that programming of like, well, you can't break laws. <laughs> but yes, I'm not saying that I was good always, and I that I followed that. But yeah. good is relative, of course. That's another thing. That's <laughs> a whole other conversation, right? But, um, but yeah, it's such an interesting concept to think about how deep meditation can go and then i always wonder were worse substances like medicines plant medicines were they put here to guide us to be able to have these experiences and maybe to teach us that we can reach those states or even maybe and or that we can not only reach those states but we can do that with our own meditation, if we tried to I don't know if that link can be made, but it seems like these substances, some of them, and I'm talking about plant ones, yeah, specifically, yeah, right, maybe such things as mushrooms can give us that experience to help us to let go of the um and I think ordinary world works again in that in that scenario, that wording because it's like. There's nothing wrong with the world as it is, but there's another one that exists, and that's kind of what you're talking about. They're tapping into, yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And I I feel like people tap into a world like that and on the topic of uh plant medicine, I think like it's so interesting because as as humans, you know, we're viewing this entire world, and when you haven't seen something, you have a hard time imagining it. So, for example, if somebody's like trying to explain to you, for example, like a a suicide trip, they'll explain to you like, "Oh, you see all these Psychedelic things looks kind of like a kaleidoscope, like all this yeah. different stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, if you haven't experienced it, you almost can't even fathom it or imagine it. And I feel like when you when you do like a sacred medicine like that, like if you really respect it, you can learn so much about our world and our universe and how time is really interesting. And um, my one kind of like deeper experience when I did try um like psilocybin, like psychedelic mushrooms, I felt like I was in that trip for years like eons actually and it was so wild And oh, I kept. You, you have these moments where you like you go into it and you're so lost in the trip that you forget that your entire i, I accidentally took way too much <laughs> i didn't know <laughs> i didn't know um <laughs>
1: that happens
0: it does happen especially on your first time where you're like oh my gosh <laughs> seven of them and they're like really large <laughs> okay like how much what are you supposed to take? with you uh yeah yeah i was with um i was with my man my my boyfriend he's uh-huh. uh He's great, um, but he <laughs> just, you just <laughs> said, "All right,
1: you do you. It's all there. Just, just have yeah. fun." <laughs> he's
0: hey. had he, no. he's had more experiences with it. It was my first experience, and yeah. um, I didn't yeah. know like how much to take. Plus, we had like fresh ones, and mm-hmm. so they weren't dried. And we're like, "I don't really know how much this is. Like, I don't know what I'm doing." And um, so I had seven, and they were like decently large uh, of those mushrooms. And right when it hit, I went so far out. Of my body that I um didn't realize that I existed anymore. Like myself, Liana, Jem was gone. But I would have these moments of coming back and kind of coming back to reality. And it was kind of like this weird ebb and flow where I'd go so deep into it that everything was just kaleidoscope, like there was no earth here at all. And then I'd come back and I would be like, wow, I felt like I was gone for years. And I was like, nope, I remember we took these, they're supposed to last like five hours. I'm clearly still within the five hour mark. And then it'd be like back into the like mushroom world and then like come back. And I remember as that wore off, I did learn a lot through that. And I will say like, if anyone's watching this, I don't necessarily recommend doing that unless you feel really called. These are like really sacred plant medicines. And you know, you can also have a bad experience in them. You can also have great experiences. Um, so I feel like it's something that you need to really respect. It's not something that I feel like people should be like, oh, I'm just doing this for like to have a good time. I feel like that's a While really you're at like at a
1: concert or something. Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, that's,
0: I don't, I would not recommend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you, yeah. you do learn a lot. And it's interesting because before I had done anything like that, before I'd done any like psychedelics, I used to kind of hear people's stories about it and people saying you learned so much about the universe. And I'm like, okay, but yeah, you're on a drug though. Like you're probably just altered. Like that's not actual reality. But I feel like when you have an experience and it's so personal and you really start to relate it to your life, it's something that, again, if somebody's not done that before, they don't really understand what you're talking about. They're like, you did a drug. Like, of course, you're, you know, hallucinating. But you do come back with a lot of information about the earth. One thing that I learned is that we are all so connected, like our entire universe, everything. And this might sound super esoteric, but we're technically all just one being. And if you think about it, energy and matter it can never be created or destroyed right mm-hmm. and we're constantly eating plants foods like all different things we're consuming it and then that the particles of that become our new dna and it helps us you know grow it helps us repair we literally are kind of what we eat and then as our bodies decay we go back into the earth and this is kind of what the alchemists talk about is like the evolution of consciousness through the different um like uh elements of the earth really mm-hmm. and It gets really, it gets really interesting um, because you start to notice that if we're all just like going through a, a cycle and we're all just, you know, dying, decaying, going back into the earth and then going back into new bodies, we've been here for millennia. The the DNA that makes up me and you has been here since the earth was created. We are the earth reincarnated, really. Because we're just parts of the earth. The plants soaked up the materials. We ate that. It became our bodies now. It's literally just the evolution of consciousness. We're all really one. We're all just part of this earth. We're all just part of the space matter that existed from, you know, the Big Bang, if that's what happened. And that's where things get really trippy. And I think that's one of the biggest concepts that I learned through a psychedelic trip was kind of seeing how that all ties into, into itself. And then it just makes total sense though. Yeah. You know? So I don't know if that was like way lost or way gone. That's
1: what we we do here. (laughs) We try and relax and just talk about as much (laughs) as you can about whatever you want, because that's really what it is. I think sometimes when I first did this podcast, I wanted to like dial it in uh, to a specific topic. But now I just realize I just really want to know about everything, you know, so that's why that's really valuable to me. You know, all of that. So rant as much as you want about everything because that's what I always encourage people to do. That's great, you know, that's great. Talk for as long as you want.
0: I, I always enjoy that as well.
1: Yeah. So an interesting couple couple things that I really was thinking about while you're talking was the evolution of consciousness. What do you think that is?
0: That is a great question. I think I have a small, like, little theories about what that is. Um mm-hmm. And based on kind of, I always try to tie it back to science because to me, I, I'm also like, I want to have like cold hard evidence behind like the spiritual stuff. And I, I believe that you can't have one without the other. You can't have science without spirituality because yeah. otherwise you have missing parts and you can't have spirituality without science because otherwise you're just way too like up there. Um, Which is a lot of people. And <laughs>
1: that's something that I've, I i don't mean to interrupt you, but no worries, that's important to hear to hear that because not a lot of people are saying that part. A lot of people are dogging on the science people, but there's not a lot of people like saying, "Hey, sometimes the science can be helpful." It you can. know, that's kind of where I I try to fit in. It's like, like I started off, what is the evidence? You know, what is the evidence of these things? And that's where I think you start to take these concepts that seem really esoteric, and you're like, okay, nah, there's science. This is kind of science, and then you're like talking in a language because people get so scared when you mention things that are outside of, not everyone, but you, I'm sure you know people and I know people that are like that. So I just think that's, I agree with you. Anyway, yeah, sorry.
0: That's great. And I, I totally agree with that point. I think that's something that, you know, should be talked about a little bit more because you know, it's a beautiful bridge. I think when you bridge science and spirituality, that's when things become complete. That's when you have like that beautiful, like marriage between that. And I do think that they fit in together really well. And there are there are things that I'm into and that I've experienced that are not yet explained by science and that's fine by me. I, st- I still like Same. cherish those experiences, but it doesn't mean I'm gonna stop looking for maybe some sciencey stuff because we're still learning new stuff all the time. Uh, but I think that when you kind of look for both, you have a nice grounding to your um, more spiritual experiences. You get kind of more of a reason for it and it's a kind of a really beautiful bridge. Um, but yeah, on the, ev- ev- the evolution of consciousness, that one is, that one's interesting. So if we look at kind of maybe what science has shown us or sort of found thus far, is that we've kind of started as microorganisms and sort of kind of become more and more. Um, and I feel like as we grow, as we kind of learn deeper experiences, we take more with us, sort of energetically. And I do feel like even in like past lives that you see. Um, or people that have past life experiences. They tend to always talk about the fact that they almost took gifts with them from a past life. And I do feel like we we do take sort of our lessons or different um, knowledge with us from past lives. And that's sort of how our consciousness goes through an evolution. So when we did start off as microorganisms, I feel like we went through experiences then. and then as we are, you know, going through that same like cycle of life, we tend to just grow more and more and more and more. And maybe it's also, I've heard this interesting concept that as we like eat more different things, this, this is something I don't even know if I truly believe, but I just heard this. Like if you eat different things, you're taking sort of a different DNA in you, which is like enhancing you or making you learn more. And so there's been like a concept that um, when humans became smarter and kind of uh, developed a lot more quickly, there's like a theory that that's when they, Tried psychedelic mushrooms, and then they got to see more and it enhanced their consciousness in a certain way. Stone ape.: Yeah, so
1: nice.: Yeah,
0: so I've heard that, so mm-hmm. I don't really know. I, I only have really small theories on the evolution of consciousness and how that's really created. I think I would need to do a lot more research into like, um, our evolution as a whole, because I don't think I've done enough like looking into that yet, but it's definitely interesting, and I do feel like we are evolutionizing into more dimensions. And we're probably taking with us like multidimensional experiences all at once that we don't even know about. Maybe that's why we're getting epiphanies out of nowhere and all sorts of other things. I don't know. Could be. (laughs) We don't don't know.
1: (laughs) Going back to it, you don't have to know. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I feel like sometimes, I don't know if you do this, but I say I don't know almost to show people that I'm not certain. Mm -hmm. And it's like, that's another lesson I've been learning in my own life is. I don't have to be certain. Yeah. And that there could be I mean, if you just think about it, I remember back when there was people saying I'll, be- I'll believe it once I see it. And they mm-hmm. had this mentality. And then it's just like so there's so simple ways to disprove that just by thinking, oh, there's radio waves. Yeah. You know, there's Wi-Fi and what else could there be out there along that electromagnetic spectrum?
0: Yeah. You know. Exactly. And as we're moving through kind of like space, we're constantly moving, you know, in different uh, places. I think our whole solar system has an orbit too. Like we might be picking up on different energies or wavelengths because light is information at the end of the day um, as well. And so as we're getting like new light waves our way, um, I've heard that also is something that increases our energy or develops our consciousness more. That's something, again, I haven't like looked into enough. I don't think that there's enough proof behind that, maybe, but. It is also a very interesting concept that that could be something that's also um, aiding in our evolution as beings, is like different light information um, coming through. So that's something that's also yeah interesting. Yeah, there's
1: like different areas of the, if you think about the galaxy, maybe there's different areas of the galaxy. If we're also going through the galaxy at the same time as the solar system is orbiting the sun, the sun is moving itself. So as time goes on, Maybe in the galaxy, there's changes through the years. You know, that's basically what you're saying. Yeah. It's like 200 years. If you look at the galaxy, I mean, it's so massive that there's no way to quantify, really, how much of a change. It would probably look like that, you know, if you look at a galaxy. But there still might be something different there.
0: Or is it infinite?
1: Well... You're saying there's a galaxy infinite?
0: Well, a galaxy. Well, honestly, it could be because if you think about us zooming in on even a particle, we haven't gotten down to the bottom of it. And even though we've gotten to like, you know, a very quantum level of zooming mm-hmm. in on something, you could also go infinite there. You could go infinite within and infinite without.
1: Yeah. Like a fractal. Yeah. And it could just keep going yeah. forever. <laughs> like a Mandelbrot set.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It, that just keeps yep.
1: going. And so you're basically saying infinitely small
0: infinitely small or infinitely large, I think both exist at the same time. You can't have one without the other. Like, Mm -hmm. you technically could, even if you zoom in on the smallest particle that you can think of, what if you got a magnifying glass that could go further? What if you had eyes that could go further? You could absolutely go further. There's no bottom, you know what I mean? There's no bottom. So
1: there's something smaller than the Planck length, (laughs) basically, because Max Planck took the, he did some research and he got all the way, I think the Planck length is the smallest length, the smallest length in the universe so there's there could be a whole universe inside of a plank length you know there could be and there could be a whole universe and you know there's been people who have been saying there's universes inside of us what if we are a universe what if we have an infinite amount of universes within our mind and we're inside the mind of another being who has an infinite amount of universes through thought that's kind of the 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 process that I've really started to
0: think about. <laughs> Ironically, yeah. what is a plank length? <laughs>
1: that's uh, that's the literally the length, the smallest length that has ever been measured. Okay, that's what it's called. Wow. Yeah, that has so, ever
0: been measured thus far. Right. Yeah,
1: that's what I. That's what I yeah. was saying. That yeah, there could be something smaller than the plank plank length because.
0: Well, there would have to be because what would make up whatever they're measuring there'd have to be something making that up right i don't really know the entirety behind this because i'm just hearing of this so i don't really know but you know if they're measuring like a particle for example then you could go into what makes up the particle though
1: <laughs> right and then you start talking about you know the quantum field Hmm. what is the quantum field and where does everything come from then is the question uh-huh and then you look at Daoism, and it's like it comes from the Dao, but the Dao has no form.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then you just get lost. Well, that's also like saying the smallest thing that you could measure is also the longest thing that you could measure, because it's going to take you forever to measure the smallest thing, because there is no technically smallest thing that you could ever probably get down to. So it also be end up being the largest measurement. Mm-hmm. So that's when you get kind of that weird paradox. <laughs> that's right.
1: <laughs> there, and there we are. <laughs> And there we are. <laughs> there we are. So why don't we just go for it then? <laughs> you said time isn't real. So I'm curious as to your take on that.
0: So that's just basically something that I've heard. And and I think it was Einstein that discovered or kind of theorized that time isn't something that actually exists. And I forgot his um, experiment behind that. It was definitely something that was very interesting though. Um, but we've also, time is relative. So I, I believe that he, what he was saying is time is relative. So For example, like if you are experiencing something that's really fun and really exciting and that time goes by really fast and you're like, oh my God, how did like five hours just pass by? I was having like the time of my life. But then if you tell yourself like, okay, go put your finger on a really, really, really hot stove and keep it there for an entire minute, that minute is going to feel like 10 hours or more, you know? So time is relative. It's based on kind of our perception and our experience. Um, and I do think it goes even deeper than that, but that's kind of like one that we can sort of understand and grasp in everyday life. Um, so yeah, time is definitely very relative and I feel like we can slow it down in our minds with different ways. And even Andrew Huberman talks about, um, the amount of times that you blink will actually either speed up your time or slow it down. And it's very much tied to our metabolism as well. Um, and I believe it's when you blink more, you're taking in more information and you're needing to process more and i believe that's when time slows down but then when you're i might have this backwards i totally might have this backwards right now but then if you're blinking i think slow you're taking in less you know snapshots um, mm-hmm. yeah and then that so for example if you're on an adrenaline rush and let's say you're you know is trying to escape danger you're gonna blink really fast because you're trying to take in way more information so you're trying to slow down time in order to make better decisions so you're blinking super fast and then in order to speed up time you know you're say you're in love with like somebody that you're out to dinner with and your eyes are just like super wide you're like oh my god i just want time to stop right now like you know
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah, <we all> have- <laughs> yeah. that's that's true mm-hmm. yep yeah I find, actually, when, I, when I'm focusing really hard, I don't even blink. And then my eyes just start to hurt. That's been a problem. That's been a problem for a lot of my life. I, you know, universe of game, the origination, I used to play a lot of video games growing up. And I remember, like, I just would stare at the screen. And it would be so into it that I would go a minute without blinking. And then, like, my eyes would be burning. But then I would accomplish the thing.
0: Yeah, you know, and didn't time go faster during that too? Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: I feel like when you play games, time goes by really fast. Yeah, and so what? A, I wonder what what is? I guess our what we're saying or what you're saying is that that the mechanism that controls time is your perception of it, mm-hmm. in some sense, because your per, your perception, not even of time, but your perception in general and the way that you do things. Yeah. In a sense. And also what you're doing, but I'm wondering if it's universal because what you're saying is if you, I mean, you see this here? That is a burn on the old thumb. I did do that. That is from a hot object. Oh my God. And so I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, it was like there for a second and it felt like it was five seconds and, you know, I'm still paying for it. Yeah. Three weeks later.
0: Oh, and
1: man. And it's so interesting to think about. I think it, I remember Albert Einstein said, did he say time is an illusion, but a persistent one? I think that was a quote by him or something like that. I'm not asking. I'm, I'm, I'm saying it. I think he said something like that. So he was, I think he knew that there was something to the relativity. And then you've got movies like one of my favorites, Interstellar, that explore that, you know, if you're going to a different place. And then I found the work of Dewey Larson and he can talk about how you can go over the speed of light. And I think some of my most popular videos, I don't even talk about that concept very often, but a lot of people like when I talk about Dewey Larson's work, which he has this thing called the reciprocal system. And the reciprocal system basically says that there's space-time and then there's time-space. It's an inversion of each other. Mm. And so I think a lot of people resonate with that because it seems as though it might have something to it because there's a lot of the times... With the other explanations of dimensions, it gets really w- wonky to the point where we can't really comprehend it. Um, you know, we can look at a tesseract, but can we really comprehend the inside out? And, and, you know, if we go, that's fourth dimension, and then we go to what a lot of people say the fifth dimension is, it starts to get really complex. And just because we don't understand it doesn't mean it's not true. That's not what I'm saying. But in Larson's system, there's basically three dimensions of space, like we're, we're experiencing that now, and then there's one dimension of time. And then in the opposite, there's three dimensions of time, one dimension of space. And um, that's where he says, like the astral. And people have taken his work to the next level. And they're like, that's where the astral room is. That's where lucid dreaming is. And that's how you can have this entire life experience and then plot back in the body. And it's like no time has passed because you're time traveling when you go out, and there's this, you know, that goes really deep because there's there's even more to it when it comes to the platonic solids. And so I don't want to get out on a rant for that because I can talk about that anytime. And, uh, and I have talked about that. Um, but that's just another way where you start to see it's not very a prominent way of thinking because of it's so mainstream to think one way. But yet there's a whole way that he describes and measures everything that's outside of what we think it is now. And so that just makes me wonder how much do I not know? You know, I feel like I don't really know anything after I, after I see that. I'm just like, imagine what else there is, you know?
0: But that's also the beauty of life, because would you ever want to know everything? And also, what are you just talking about right know. now? That is so interesting to me. I'm like, I'm right up there with you. When you talked about platonic solids, I'm like, I'm so curious about that.
1: <laughs> OK, so with the platonic solids, I, said, I did a video on Instagram and I said, Plato discovered it. And so, so many people got mad at me. They're like, Plato did discover it. And then they were talking about how there's always someone else that discovered it before them, mm. but I didn't know. And so whoever discovered the solids, <laughs> they've been around. He, he was the one who brought it to main to the area where I became aware of it. Let's just say that.
0: So. Yeah, there you go.
1: But basically the theories go is that have you ever heard of clothes packed spears.
0: You close packed spheres. Yeah. No.
1: Basically, it's when you can have spheres that make a shape. Okay. Is mm-hmm. a simple explanation. So it looks like basically you can imagine everything a uh, one way to think about it would be every single platonic solid can fit inside of a sphere um in the way that it's shaped. If you had them all the same size and you had a sphere that was Around it, it wouldn't fit perfectly. You know, there'd be certain parts. Like a dodecahedron would hit specific parts of the sphere differently. Does that make sense?
0: Right. So that's like the flower of life too, and it can yeah it can also fit in there because I've definitely seen like the the cube in in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Same concept. Okay.
1: So what the theory is is that with the platonic solids, you have specific combinations that will give you specific bodies. So you might have a dodecahedron plus a um octahedron, and then you have you have maybe those, this is just hypothetical in terms of which ones. But the point, the point is is that specific platonic solids will give you specific shapes, and those shapes create certain geometry, and the geometry activates a certain body. So if you, let's say do what Dewey Larson said, you go past the speed of light, if you go past the speed of light, he calls that over-unity, because speed of the speed of light is unity in his system. So if you go over-unity, Basically, your molecules are shaped a certain way because all f- in the physical domain, they're all shaped a certain way. That's what we talk about with the flower of life, right? Mm-hmm. The flower of life is one way to describe the geometrical nature of the physicality that we see, the the pattern repetition that we see. And you know, you have the golden ratio and other things that express out of that. And with that, maybe not out of that, but with that. So the platonic solids would be something that the, the way that I would think about them, it's really complex, but the spheres create certain shapes. And then if you go over the speed of light, it actually inverts because you can have a solid. This is kind of wild to think about, but if you have a platonic solid one way, you can invert it and it'll create a different shape. Mm. And so the different shape will be a different, you could say a different body if you want. Or like you could think of it as the astral body has a certain configuration of packed spheres which we can call the platonic solids and that is geometry is really what it is and so that geometry would be the thing that is the at the center and the core of the physical world but there's only specific combinations that give you specific things and we could think well if i want to go to a different dimension it's not it's not just about going there it's about creating the configuration within your body to go over unity and maybe the the people that meditate like we were talking about in deep meditation maybe they're actually going over unity in their own way and um, that's what allows them to do the things and go to the places and and maybe that's why people have vastly different experiences when they have let's like, say dmt or you might have mushrooms and maybe these chemicals will change the shape and it will help you to basically go to a different place, which you could say might be where the solids get activated differently. And maybe all of the different dimensions are just different ways to activate the geometry.
0: Wow, that is a wild concept. I, that is, that is amazing. Have you heard of, um, so recently there was a Nobel prize winner that, um, just discovered something faster than the speed of light have you heard of that mm -mm. so maybe that can kind of tie into when you break unity um so basically this um nobel prize winner i don't remember his name and i'm probably going to get some i'm probably missing some information because i recently uh read this like two weeks ago Mm -hmm. and um basically what he discovered is that when you take um two particles that are have you heard of quantum entanglement
1: Talked about it many times, yeah. yes. Yeah, I, I figured you'd be <laughs> yes. someone who knows about that. Yeah. yeah,
0: so when two particles have quantum entanglement and, and um, when something happens to one of the particles, it'll also happen to the other, but it actually happens faster than the speed of light. And what they call this now, I believe, is the speed of information. So the speed of information is faster than the speed of light because you could put these particles so far apart to where light would take, you know, for example, like, from the earth to the sun it takes like eight minutes for light to travel that far um you could take two particles and if they're in quantum entanglement with each other and one thing happens to one of those particles it'll happen to the other one basically like simultaneously what they believe is that it happens simultaneously but if it does that means that that would happen faster than the speed of light um i do also think that they were saying that it doesn't happen exactly instantaneously there's like a slight 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 time delay but it's so minute to where the speed of information would have to be faster than the speed of light which that gets really interesting especially with what you're talking about how when you break unity you can kind of um manipulate the shapes that you have
1: Mm mm-hmm
0: the speed of information, if it travels faster than the speed of light, you're basically traveling then faster than the speed of light, which means you're traveling at the speed of information, which means you could probably, are you then just altering your information? Is that what that's happening? I don't know. That's like an interesting, that's possibly an interesting concept. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, I just thought that would be- That's relevant. Yeah.
1: Very relevant. Yeah. I Mm -hmm. um, heard an explanation by Michael Talbot. Have you heard of Michael Talbot? He wrote Holographic Universe. No, I have not. One of the best books I've ever read. I would read that if you are interested in holographic theory, mm-hmm. because the whole argument he makes is that the universe is a hologram. And so the way that he describes quantum entanglement and these other phenomena is that you're just looking at the same particle. You said we're all one. Then you're looking at the same particle, but from a different angle. So your angle of awareness, it would be like if it's all a hologram, then you're, you're non-locally looking at it kind of like if you were, if you had two cameras, we got two cameras here. If you had two cameras pointing at you, and they're both recording, it's like, how does information from one camera and that camera, how do they both say the same thing simultaneously? It's because they're actually the same object, but we just can't tell from our point of view that it's the same object. It's like you're looking at the same that you're actually looking at one thing mm. instead of thinking it as two separate things. you're just looking at it from a different vantage point if that makes sense.
0: that is a really interesting way to explain things, yeah, yeah, I do like that,
1: yeah, th- yeah. I've been trying to find ways to connect the non- dual nature and how does that fit into science? And I think when you look at holographic universe. I'm interested in that because I'm also interested in simulation theory and these other things that try to explain that this reality isn't, you know, simulation theory really is the scientific way to say that word, that this reality isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? What, like people what? will accept simulation theory, but if you tell them reincarnation is real, they're like, they're like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Absolute bullshit. Right. And it just blows my mind because you have prominent mainstream people coming out and saying, hey these things are real. Mm. Or the chances of us not being in a simulation are astronomically low. Like this is more than likely. Well, what does that mean? Means we're probably in a game.
0: That's how I take it, you know? Honestly, we might be. And that kind of makes life a little bit more interesting and fun. And uh, one interesting thing that that's kind of like making me think about is I heard one of the greatest theories recently. And um, basically in history, we we may be in a simulation and we may be in a simulation where maybe we even have created our own sort of like, um, like matrix basically. We simulation could be- Simulation
1: within a simulation. We,
0: we literally could be. Yeah. And um, so if you look at like throughout history, currently our like main history is kind of just the last 2000 years. And considering how much we have like um, advanced in the last 2000 years and the fact that we have all these like ancient sites that are still unexplainable, for example, the pyramids in Egypt.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How did they build those? What are like, you gonna go to? Yes, I am. Uh, actually, yeah <laughs> just to let us know. <laughs> I'll be going there this month, actually. Nice. Um, yeah, so it's gonna be exciting. And um, you know, they they did things to the point where there's been a lot of scientists saying, like, we don't even have the technology today to like do things that they've done. And a lot of the things are mapped to the golden ratio, and they have those sacred numbers that you know show the correlation to the sun and the moon, all this different. All the different stuff, um, but oh, where was I going with this story? Um, there's a point to this.
1: That happens sometimes. You lose we're, we're, it for a second. And yeah, it might come back. I don't we're come talking back. about ancient science, and
0: yeah. Oh, so yeah, right. Um, so if we've advanced, you know, so quickly in the last two thousand years, who's to say that we haven't advanced this fast prior? You know, the ancient Egyptians, and even you know, prior to what we know as ancient Egypt, I think that the pyramids were built prior to that. And if you kind of look at the Sphinx, it's in the exact same uh, position as the constellation that Leo should be, and it actually does look like a lion. And it looks like the head fell off. And then our the ancient Egypt that we know today may have probably carved in the pharaoh's face, and now it's a Sphinx. Into that, so that's something that I think kind of wow. happened. Um, and there's a lot of good theories that show and point to the fact that we've been a very advanced civilization before, like in fact, more advanced than we are even today, but it was likely destroyed. We've had some major um catastrophes on our earth and on our planet that have, you know, probably ended old civilizations and maybe what what happened to them, I'm not sure. But there's also so many in, in so many ancient cultures. There's stories of that happening. There's stories of like, oh, there was these great beings with like, you know, these planes and starships. And it's interesting because let's say we did have a catastrophe today and let's say we had comets wipe out most of human civilization. Um, the people that would survive that are not like probably not like me and you who, you know, are kind of used to this Western culture. Like, I don't know about you, maybe you're like really good at, uh, you know, being in the forest and stuff, but likely, you know, we rely on grocery stores. We rely on all these, we don't know how to filter water for ourselves or like, you know, grow a garden. I can grow a little bit of a garden, but- I mean, I could I, filter water
1: yeah. myself, but it
0: <laughs> it's not gonna be technological. I'm gonna boil
1: some water in a leaf somewhere out in the middle of nowhere. Right, <laughs> like know? me
0: and you in an apocalypse, are much less likely to survive than than the uh, hunter-gatherers. Ancient than the hun- exactly so yeah. all the hunter-gatherers you know they're probably looking up at the sky at our planes and aircrafts they're like all oh, these like big aircrafts and things like that then they're then they got destroyed and there's kind of like multiple stories of this through different ancient cultures that there yeah. was an advanced civilization they got destroyed they had flying machines all these different things kind of really similar to what we have today and I wouldn't be surprised you know if some same catastrophe happened that you know, the hunter-gatherers that we have right now would probably be telling the same stories to any future, you know, civilizations that start popping up. Um, and so my theory in kind of our past is that we have been super advanced before, you know, and I, I'm definitely a believer in ancient Atlantis. I feel like that was probably a thing. There's so many stories behind it. Uh, it could be something that I just really like to believe. But, you know, I definitely believe that there was like more advanced civilizations in mm-hmm. the past and this this theory is like not my own this is something that i've heard from um some other really great minds one of them being like randall carlson if you've ever heard of him
1: mm-hmm. i yeah. was just listening to his podcast about uh all the different he too was talking about deciphering plato's account of atlantis word by word that's a <laughs> good interesting. that is
0: a good one <laughs> yeah it's interesting yeah it that one he's a smart man mm-hmm. yeah he has some really good uh Really good theories in my opinion it does yeah
1: i think it's hard for me with randall because it's like it it would be really interesting to have a conversation with him because it's like you don't want the world to like have a catastrophe but then he tells you how often it does <laughs> and you're just yeah. like all right are we gonna die tomorrow is that what you're saying and it's just like because i actually had that thought last night i so many people had messaged me like on Instagram and said, watch the movie. Don't look up because I thought, Oh, this is a really interesting movie. I think it, it's up your alley. Cause there's, I do truth hidden plain sight videos. Sometimes I haven't been doing them very often recently, but it was the same thing. It's catastrophe based movie. And mm-hmm. it's like, do I want to watch it because it's catastrophe based? Cause you know, there's that whole, there's a whole side of me who has studied people, t- basically talking about how the collective will be the one that manifests the future. What we all believe, how much our beliefs and our how much our beliefs and our thoughts will bring about a certain future. How much power do we have to create the future? Then there was a movie Tomorrowland that basically that that whole premise of that movie, have you seen Tomorrowland?
0: Um I don't think so. I don't think I've seen that one either.
1: That one is a it's an older one and it talks about how in the movie Tomorrowland what happens is is they all think the world is going to end the entire population does and when one girl believes it doesn't the probability they have a probability meter and it's like at 100%. And they they can like go the, the te- they have technology to be able to go to the future and look at it. And they are they've went to the future and saw it was going to end because they they time traveled, but then she didn't believe it was going to end, so then it flickered from like an apocalyptic thing to like a harmony thing. And so the whole concept in the movie Tomorrowland was that they were exploring how much what we believe actually controls what will happen. And so for Randall, it's like, it's really interesting and, and uh, fascinating to hear about stuff by Atlantis. And he's got a lot of his content is about like all the different asteroids and meteors and comets that destroy the earth but it's something that i'm also really interested in because i feel like the more we know about what happened the that's like one of the best places to really help people to see that things could have been a lot different than we expect and we could be a lot different than we expect, too, like from that knowledge. Cause I don't want to, I decided I used to do a lot of Law of One content and then I stopped doing it because I was like, I don't want to be just another person who has another, another, like it was not, it's not like the Law of One is a religion, but it's just, it's just, they specifically say you don't have to know the Law of One. Like it's not like that, but it's just like another text that you can't really verify cause it was channeled and then you know, when you say something's channeled automatically, a large percentage of people are like, yeah, and they (laughs) they just don't, they don't even want to listen to it. And so I stopped talking about it because I realized that I wanted it to be something that anyone can you refute that? Like you were talking about the Sphinx. I know about the Sphinx and the water erosion and stuff like that Mm. as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, that's, that's unrefutable. And then you can refute a channeled text all day. But when you have, you know historical evidence. That's a whole different conversation. You
0: know? Exactly, and I I think that um, just because you brought up the Sphinx again, it kind of points to ancient Egypt maybe being built in the age of Leo, which would have been twelve thousand years ago, mm-hmm. which is like much older than kind of what our current history is maybe estimating it mm-hmm. to be. And so I I kind of think it was maybe around that time. And it is interesting we are in the age of Aquarius right now because it's like. Um, it's age of Leo, Aquarius, and then I believe, um, I believe Aries and Libra are the other ones, or it's Taurus and Scorpio. Or I think, yeah, Taurus and Scorpio, Leo and Aquarius are kind of the ages where big shifts happen, really big shifts, such as sometimes catastrophes, sometimes, but it is said that big shifts happen around that time. It could be a really good big shift. I don't know. It, I think it depends on, you know, how smart are we? What kind, of, what kind of reality are we collectively creating? Kind of like what you were saying. Um, and I do think kind of with what the shows are that we tend to watch lately, you know, kind of what they put out on, on the media and stuff, we tend to be focusing on sometimes, in my opinion, a darker reality, whereas I think we should kind of maybe focus on, you know, how can we uplift consciousness a little bit more? How can we kind of make things a bit brighter for people? Um, yeah. I think that's something that I feel like.
1: That's what I struggled about watching the movie, and I didn't watch it right away, because I, I knew it was a comet, like, destroying the Earth-based movie. um. But then I was just like, you know what, I can—the thing that I do when I watch those movies is I really don't let myself get in that hypnagogic— state and i think that's important yeah so it doesn't get into my subconscious so i'm like constantly (laughs) telling myself throughout the movie this is bullshit like this isn't gonna happen so i still have that criticalness because you know i don't want to get down in the lower brainwave states and then it gets in there sinks in and you're like then there's you start to realize oh there's something underneath there because there's then that gets it you know what i'm saying
0: exactly like we can watch things from an entertaining kind of place and you can watch anything that you desire and you you don't have to go deep and it's great that you brought up the um the hypnagogic state. Mm-hmm. So um, what I notice is that you can also do the craziest of manifestation. I know I'm like kind of switching topics here, um, but you can do some of the craziest manifestation with dreaming and the hypnagogic state is like when you're about to go into that dream world. So it's like that low brainwave state, just like you were saying. Um, and you can actually reprogram your mind really greatly by going down deep into those lower brainwave states. Um, I've even been kind of experimenting a little bit with lucid dreaming. Um, And so for anyone listening, if they don't know what lucid dreaming is, essentially what that is, is when you become conscious that you're dreaming while you're still dreaming and you can then either decide to control your dream or you can just observe your dream from like a conscious state. Um, But you can do a lot of things with lucid dreaming, which is kind of neat. Have you gone down that realm at all yourself?
1: I have not as much as I'd like, but I've, I've started to play around with it. The the thing that I've been trying to do is look at my hands throughout the day and like study my hands because from what I know a good technique to be able to lucid dream is if you do that enough during the day, you'll just actually naturally do it in your dreams. And so then when you start to do it in your dreams, your hands are going to look way different in a dream and then you're like, "Oh god, I'm dreaming." You know? <laughs> So that was one of the best techniques. So I've been doing that a little bit, but I haven't went down and I've recognized like a couple times, but I haven't gotten to the point where it's been like, I am I can do it on command, you know?
0: Yeah. um, I can't yet do it on command either. I kind of, you know, do those things throughout the day that kind of will make me more likely to lucid dream. And I'll have like waves where all of a sudden I'll be lucid dreaming like every night a week. And then all of a sudden it'll be like, I didn't lucid dream for a couple months now. You know, it'll kind of come in waves. Um, I have actually, it's funny that you said the hands thing cause I was doing exactly that for a while. And then I had a dream where I looked at my hands and they were like these little glowing like sticks. They were like, they literally were just glowing. I, there was no fingers, no nothing. But nice. in my dream, I was so in such a dream state that I looked at them. I was like, my hands are real. I eh, guess this is reality, you know? And like, I just like <laughs> went back into the dream and I didn't start lucid dreaming from that. Oh, and I was like, yeah, that's totally normal. <laughs> and they were just like these the glowing, like, yeah. Glowing little (laughs) arms with no hands. Okay, so
1: you must have lived a life. You had them glowing arms. (laughs) That was your that was your past life.
0: Maybe, maybe. And I was like, yeah, it's totally normal. I guess I'm not not dreaming right now. Dang. (laughs) That's woke up and I was like, wow. Why did I think that that was normal? Yeah, but um, you can do some like really uh really incredible stuff with that. You know, Mm -hmm. you can get over over fears, for example. You can also ask your dream really cool things. So, say you're in a lucid dream and you're facing a current problem in your life. Or even if you don't lose a dream, you could even ask this before you go to bed and say, in my dream, I would like to be shown the answer to blank. So if you're like, I'm facing this dilemma, what do I do about it? Is there anything I need to know? Um, You can ask that before going to bed. And then right when you wake up, it has to be right when you wake up, you write down everything that you remember from your dream, because sometimes dreams fade really fast. If you wake up and you kind of like sit there for a little bit, you're most likely gonna lose your dream and a lot of people do.
1: Uh Um, do. But if
0: you just like write it down right when you wake up, you're gonna remember at least something Um, and you'll get better and better at this as you practice it too, to the point where you're gonna remember a lot. And even if you ask it in a lucid dream, that's even better because then you get to really interact with your dream and you can ask it certain questions such as like, why do I keep experiencing this certain pattern in relationships? And then all of a sudden your dream may morph and start to show you different things. You know, and you know you're dreaming, you can wake up at any time, anything Um, and it'll start to show you stuff. Or even if you have a certain fear that you want to get over or a habit that you want to break, you could ask your dream, how do I break this habit or, you know, how can I face this fear and get over it? Like, can you show me this fear so I can really face it in this dream world where I know I'm safe because I'm just dreaming and can I face this and deal with that? And it's so cool because in a dream, like, let's say that you're really scared of a certain concept in a dream. You can literally be anybody and be anything. And so you can face a fear and all of a sudden you could be like a superhero with superpowers and literally destroy it. And then you're gonna feel a lot better actually when you wake up too because you're kind of reprogramming your subconscious. You're in a really deep brainwave state. And so anything that you're kind of doing in these dreams and in these deep brainwave states, you're going to actually alter your brain on a very deep level, whether you realize it or not. You know, even though you're defeating some being or some concept with superpowers, you're actually doing something on a deep level in your brain and it's gonna affect you as you wake up and you may not be fully conscious of it when you wake up because of course we're not living, you know, we're not really aware of our subconscious and how it affects us. So it's something that you're gonna realize like slowly um, as you start living your life again and you'll notice kind of the effects of it later on. So it's really interesting. And again, even if you can't lucid dream, you could also just set certain intentions before you go to sleep and then have it kind of, you know, do its thing because your subconscious is always there. If you set an intention before you sleep, your subconscious will remember that, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Do you think that's the most powerful manifestation thing you've come across, or is there more?
0: It's not the most powerful, but it is very- I know very, most is relative, yeah. but- it, it is very powerful. I wouldn't say most. Um, most for me has been meditation. What about what about yourself?
1: For me, it has been, I mean, I don't even know if, you could call it meditation. <laughs> right when I go to bed and right when I wake up, uh, specifically even in the morning, I putting headphones on and then after you put the headphones on, I almost kind of let myself drift and then I have a certain thing or whether it's physical or emotional and I'm focusing on that and I was, and I'm using the law of assumption, that stuff. Even if I don't like, because people will say that that really doesn't have an effect if you're from a scientific standpoint, even if it, let's just throw all of the manifestation part out of it it, I feel so much better. You know, I just feel good. I feel like accomplished as soon as I wake up. And then that causes me to take different actions. So not only if you want to throw out, if you want to throw out manifestation, not only does it do that, but I just feel like a different person. And I'm, I feel, and I believe that I'm that different person. And then I'm just, I feel like I'm my own soulmate. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know? <laughs>
0: <laughs> and there it is. And there it is. And that is how you create your reality. That is when you get into that creative process because you get to create who you are. You know, and I feel like a lot um a, a main kind of concept that a lot of us believe is that we are a certain personality when we're born. And that, you know, if you if you're a shy person, you're always gonna be a shy person. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, no, we create ourselves. We're creating ourselves every second. And if we, you know, the law of assumption of assumption, if we use that or Really, any sort of kind of modality or trick to kind of, you know, um, have us step into another version of ourselves or, or you know, create who we want to be, we can really create ourselves into anything, and that's where manifestation gets really exciting. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Manifestation has always been an interesting one to me, and I think a lot of people don't understand it, and a lot of people do. And at the end of the day, I really just think it's up to people to apply it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. You know, because if you're skeptical, it's almost like, I think a lot of this reality is placebo Mm -hmm. to me. Like if you don't think manifestation is going to work, it might not. And more likely isn't because you don't think it is. And that's hard to, that's also hard to tell people because it's not something that will work like A plus B. It's, it's kind of subjective in your perception. You have to change your perception, not just do the thing. Because a lot of times we're taught, we just got to, we just got to, Put this over there, and then we get this. But it's like, well, no, you have to change something within. You have to transform the way that you're perceiving life and then meditate and then, you know, do the things and then become that person. But in the end, I feel like it's one of the most rewarding things that we can do.
0: Absolutely. Because that's also where you step into that freedom again, because you step into the freedom of realizing, like, hmm, I am the creator of myself and my reality. I'm not just a created person. Like, you're a created person, but you get to create yourself, you know? Mm-hmm. You got created, but you get to choose where you go from there. Yeah. 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 And that's that's a pretty freedom or freeing concept.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Now, since we've been talking about manifestation, I got to ask you, mm-hmm. what do you think some of the BS that's in there is? Do you think there's things that people will... parts of manifestation they put it under this but it's really just because i know there's there's bs in everything there's bs in spiritual concepts there's bs in science there's bs in more. what do you think as we're talking about this people should be weary of when it comes to these concepts
0: that's a great question um there's a lot of different things um for one you don't need any special trick if anybody's telling me telling you like oh you have to meditate in order to manifest or you have to do this spell or you have to do you have to get a green candle with this and this and this like you can and those are actually symbols to your subconscious so they do work i'm not saying that they don't work they do um and but it's for particular reasons but it doesn't mean that you have to do it you can actually manifest and we're manifesting all the time anyway you can manifest as simple as just training your mind to think differently so if you notice in your you catch yourself and you're like oh I keep thinking that you know I'm not worthy of money and that it's going to be hard. I'm just going to start telling myself every time I think that I'm going to start telling myself that it's easy even if it feels weird at first, I'm just going to keep telling myself that. You know, you do that and that's also a form of manifestation. There's so many different forms and modalities and you don't have to do it in a certain way. So that's maybe one of the things that I would say. You you don't have to like I guess pay attention to or listen to. Another thing is no one else can do it for you. I also hear about a lot of people saying like, oh, pay me $5,000 and I will shift your energy and I'll remove this blockage in you and all this kind of stuff. Like, I don't know if you've ever heard of those, yeah. but mm-hmm. you know, that, that stuff, stay away from that. Nobody can remove a blockage really for you unless you are open and also doing it yourself. Like you can do all these things yourself. You don't need somebody to, to pay them $5,000 to remove any block in you. You don't have a block, you don't have a problem. Like you are on the right path. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah and another thing that I would say in manifestation is it's very real but it's very complex as well it's not just like you're saying it's not a to B you know you don't a plus B equals C like it's not like that it's much more complex so just as we were talking about earlier if you're trying to manifest your soulmate you know in order to get to that level that you're trying to manifest in order for you to be that energy you, you might have certain things in yourself that you need to learn in order for you to be what you're trying to manifest You're going to first manifest all the experiences first to show you that. And if you notice that you're stuck in a pattern, that's the universe saying, like, I'm literally bringing you your thing, but you got to knock through this wall first. Like, you got to learn this lesson first, you know what I mean? So it's Mm -hmm. like, you know, it is coming and it don't lose trust in anything. Don't lose trust in yourself. Don't lose trust in the process. You know, it's all part of the process. Um, Those are some of the main things that I can think of off the top of my head. At yeah. the moment, yeah, to look out for in manifestation.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm with you on those. I think it's another that, that point of it might get worse before
0: it gets better. Sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes it, you got to do a house renovation and gonna get worse before it gets better. <laughs> right. Yeah.
1: Or you might actually break up with the person, even though you're trying to manifest a better relationship. It's like you're putting it out there. I want a better relationship. I want the and then you're, then they want to break up, and you're like, what? This isn't I have no relationship. But then you're like, oh, well, it's making we're making room. We're making room for someone else to yeah. come in. You know, it's it maybe big shifts have to take place, but then you kind of get slingshotted up in a mm-hmm. sense. And for me, that that was a big a big thing because I would start to see that it would sometimes get worse. And then I would get caught up in the oh, well, it doesn't work because it's getting worse. But if you stick through it things tend to happen really when you let go and you just, you know, a lot of times in in religion, they would say, let go and let God. I know Wayne Dyer used to say that, and he wasn't religious, but he still used God. And I talked to Josh Trent last week about God and and all of the, the different interpretations. But when it comes to the religious interpretations, that's what they used to say. And now we say, a lot of times people will say, let the universe take over. But I think in general it's just this trust that we have that there's some sort of force, whatever we want to call it, or maybe it's not even a force, it's this energy. Maybe it's a being. Some people say it's a creator. Is there a creator or not the creator? Just if there is a creator, does it actually control the specific parts? Is there a higher self? You know, there's it never ends, all the different interpretations. But in the end of the day, at the end of the day, to me, it's just like Can we just trust that something, whatever it is, many things, maybe even all in collaboration are taking care of the things that we can't because we can control some things we can control a lot of our life in terms of the action that we take but there's a lot of things that just happen to us which we're basically saying are they just happening do we have control energetically you know that's kind of Uh,
0: absolutely and um you kind of sparked another thought in me another point um, in manifestation is when we get so stuck on a certain outcome. So for example, like when we get stuck on like, I'm trying to manifest like love into my life, but it has to be James. It has to be this guy. And you know, and and maybe you're not like, you're noticing kind of tension there. It's not really working out. Everyone has free will and everything does have free will. And when you're trying to manifest, let's say the greatest partnership of your life, and maybe you think it's James and the universe is like, it's not, I have this other guy like Cody back here. That's actually way a better match. But if you just let go of the thought of James, you'll get to see this. You know, I I see, I I see this, this happening kind of a lot. um, And, once you let go of that, and I've even been in that situation myself when I'm like, oh no, it has to be this person. It has to be this person. And then you, you get to a point where it doesn't work out and you just kind of accept it. And then you see what was waiting for you on the other side and you're like, oh, okay. You're like, the universe does know best because we don't know everything that's out there, right? We think we know everything based on what we've seen so far. So, so far we might be like, this guy's it. Like, that's the one I'm trying to manifest. But when we actually, you know, say we knew the entirety of the of the entire universe. Um, at that point, only then would you be able to know like what's actually best. So it's kind of like leaving it up to the energetics of the universe as well and being specific about, I want the greatest relationship or I want the greatest job. And maybe you know that you want to be a writer, but maybe it's not exactly at that particular company. Maybe there's a better company for you to be a writer or maybe you're meant to be a solo, you know, maybe you're meant to be an independent writer, for example, mm-hmm. you know, something like that. So when certain things don't work out, that's when I believe that we're meant to shift and revise. And I recently heard the great, uh, the, one of the greatest quotes was rejection is only redirection. So if you're getting rejected, then it's time to redirect. And it, it could be that you're getting rejected because maybe we need to work harder and grow our skills and kind of learn to you know get up to that level or it's because we're slightly meant to go in a slightly different direction. It's like our intuition's on point. We know we're meant to be a writer. We know we we know we know really want love and our soulmate. So our intuition's guiding us correctly, but maybe we're just getting too caught up on a certain outcome when it's meant to be slightly different. So it's about being slightly open as well. It's about knowing what you want, but also being slightly open to however that path may unfold. Yeah, Yeah. So that's another, I think, key in manifestation. And so if anybody's Huge. telling you like, I'll tell you exactly how to manifest the exact person. It's like, well, that I don't believe that we're meant to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and maybe our intuition's right. Maybe we're meant to be with that particular person. But I think a lot of the times we don't realize that there's so much more. Yeah. And that there could be more that we don't currently know of yet. 100%. Yeah. yeah.
1: I have a great example of that in my life. I've gotten offers from multi million dollar companies to make videos for them. Mm-hmm. And I always felt like I wanted to do it myself. And even though it would have been easy, easier to have all these people do this stuff for me and you know go that path, I always knew somewhere within that this was meant for me in a way that I wanted to be the one who had creative control and who didn't have to answer to other people because I've worked so many jobs right at the beginning before I did this where I had to answer to people, and I hated it. And I I always knew that working for someone else wasn't it, but I've had that come along. And one company almost convinced me. And then I kind of just went with it and tried to see like, what was gonna happen. And it just ended up, it just ended up being so bad. (laughs) It was not worth it at all. And um, that was just like a perfect example for me of like, You really know what you want. So don't settle for something because you think it'll get you to blank sooner or Mm -hmm. it'll get you this or that. Maybe it's not even physical, but a sense of I am that person Mm -hmm. who is on that platform, you know, because there's a bunch of other people that are, but it's like, that's not really what you want. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And so it's like a a huge thing that I have realized over the years is there's different types of desires. Mm -hmm. And there's like, there's, I don't even know if you call them ego. You call you could call them lower level desires where it's like, I just want these things because they're some symbol in our life or mm-hmm. for us that we think is special, but it really doesn't have that much meaning. But then there's like a deep sense of underneath, there's actually a deeper desire that I actually want to do this in a way that's more fulfilling or that brings about exactly what i want not oh this is three-fourths yeah you know Mm -hmm. and i think that's also what you're saying with relationships yeah it's like might be with someone that's three-fourths and you're holding on to that yeah but then there's that person that's the whole thing that you're looking for but if you're gripping to something that's not going to work yeah will you ever get there exactly
0: are you ever yeah you're basically kind of denying the the full thing that could that could be there exactly um yeah, and I notice also when it comes to the things that we really desire, let's say our ego really desires to like do podcasts, right? Mm-hmm. But let's say um let's say deep down inside, let's ask ourselves, okay, why do I really want to do that? What is missing in my life right now that that would give me? Beyond kind of just the idea of like I want to be a podcaster. I'm really passionate about it. If you're really passionate about it, go ahead like let's do it. But I I feel like one of the greatest ways to manifest and to realize why you're not currently manifesting it is because you need to look at what what emotion are you chasing within? Is it because you would feel really confident if you were a podcaster and you'd you'd love to like, I don't know, let's say like get into a social interaction, and be like, yeah, guys I have a really good podcast. It's got like, you know, a million subscribers, like, you know, all these different things. Like, yeah. are you looking, is it the confidence? And you and you need to be really like, like openly honest with yourself, even if it's like embarrassing. Let's say like that's, you know, your reason why. Be honest with yourself. And ask yourself is that the reason or whatever other reason like maybe um maybe it's that you really like you know interacting with people whatever it is um if you look at that that's actually the area that you need to fulfill in yourself prior to it actually taking off so let's say you're starting a podcast and let's say that you know you're having a really hard time let's say you've been doing it for like two years and there's barely any people watching if you start asking yourself what is the emotion that you're missing and then you start fulfilling that emotion you start working on your confidence and being like i'm going to be a confident podcaster because that's the emotion that you're going to be missing in that moment um and then if you work on that all of a sudden you're going to be in the energetic alignment because when you look at that and you look at the contrast of what you're missing right now that's your energetic disalignment at the moment but then if you work on fulfilling that all of a sudden, you're going to be in energetic alignment with it. And then all of a sudden, the persona that you need to be is also going to be there as well. You're going to bring a different energy to the podcast. People are going to feel that all of a sudden. If you're holding the energy of a really successful podcaster, you're going to be sitting there. People are going to listen to that and be like, subscribe to that. Like, you know, <laughs> rather, you know yeah, you know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. not that, it's not the thing that's going to bring you the emotion. It's the emotion and the energy that's going to bring you the thing. You know, you can try all day, but if you're trying with an empty cup, it's gonna be really difficult. You know if you're trying to dig a hole with a shovel that doesn't have like the shovel at the end of it, it's gonna be really hard. It's so stick, yeah, yeah, you know, so look at what you're currently missing emotionally, and then if you fulfill that, you can look at emotions as energy. You're putting yourself in energetic alignment when you put yourself in emotional alignment. So it's about fulfilling yourself with all those feelings first before you're able to really attain the results of what it is that you're desiring so that's another like key thing i've noticed in manifestation yeah, yeah.
1: feel like you're calling me out a little
0: bit here i'm just <laughs> like oh <laughs> shit don't know the rabbit hole in my own mind like you're, you're already super successful this? though
1: <laughs> so why am i doing this
0: why are you doing this <laughs> what are
1: my reasons i'm like <laughs> self-reflecting here <laughs> uh, but I'll be thinking about that tonight. Don't you worry.
0: <laughs> but
1: I know what you're saying. Yeah. It is Im- important to understand the reasoning.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's what gets you kind of more energetically aligned. So asking those deeper questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Now, have you seen in your life and kind of your studies or your experience, what are some of the ways, if you have, have you seen that the universe is a game? Have you come across this line of thinking? and if you have, what are some aspects that you think about the game?
0: Great question. Oh, I actually love this question because this is this is a big topic, and this one might be kind of triggering. Um, but when um when we talk about the idea of you know reincarnation, when we talk about the idea of like karma and why the universe is so cruel sometimes like you know there some sometimes you know you have like you know loved ones that die sometimes people die at really early ages even at at two months old like and and people start to question their faith at that point they start to question okay but like if all of this was a game like if all this was up to us why does this happen like why would we do this and i have a concept on this and again it kind of might be triggering but it's something that has brought me the it's it's made the most sense to me um, and basically when we observe ourselves as humans, we create TV shows that entertain us of all sorts of different things. We like one of the biggest TV shows was one about like zombies in an apocalypse, you know? And we ask ourselves, like, do we want to manifest that in real life? No. But is that a crazy entertaining thing to observe and watch and see like, what are people gonna do? What's gonna happen next? This drama is insane. You know, and when we look at our universe as sort of a simulation and the fact that energy and matter can never be created or destroyed so we're technically infinite our consciousness is infinite when we reincarnate and let's say we reincarnate in a in hardship we may be doing that because our consciousness wants to observe what it's like to experience everything and you may be reincarnating as something that you know you're going through some traumatic experiences but that's the that's also I don't want to say the fun in the game because it's not necessarily always fun. It's not. Like, life can be very difficult and hard and, and tragic. Um, but it's also something as consciousness, we want to experience everything. And you cannot have good without bad. You cannot have light without dark. If you're playing a video game and let's say everything's super easy and it goes perfectly and everything's just bright and airy, like, you're going to get bored of that video game so fast. Have you ever played a video game before where the levels were so easy and you're just like, really? You know, like, forget about that yeah like that happens a lot our our natural human and conscious spiritual desire is to experience growth and growth happens through reaching challenge and so i feel like we as souls desire to experience some forms of challenge in different aspects in order for us to grow in order for us to evolutionize and you know if we are This consciousness. It makes sense why we would, you know, have all these different souls reincarnate in such different um, scenarios and go through such different things. Because as a whole, it makes us grow so much more. And it's kind of like the hardship that also keeps us growing. It also makes us experience the light more. It makes us experience more of the greatness. And as I've gotten older, I've started to realize the beauty in um, certain painful experiences. And this is something I've been realizing lately that I've never really seen before. But, you know, as a kid, I would walk through an art museum and let's say that there was a really tragic painting and I'd be like, why would somebody paint that? Like, that's so dark and awful. But as an adult who's now, you know, I've had some like harder experiences in life, looking at a painting like that, I'm sometimes I'm like, that's like beautiful that they were able to capture the emotion of that. And even though it's a tragic or sad emotion, you know, it could be like, an old lady crying over a grave, maybe she lost her son or something. And you look at that and you're like, the fact that people can feel that is one of the most beautiful things on the planet. And I don't think we would reach such a depth of emotion without having such tragedy or such pain. And so, you know, at, at the same time that it's something hard that I would never wish upon anybody, it does also create the some of like, the beauty in our world of us realizing how much we love something you know if we never had hurt or pain we would never feel such deep emotion for our family or our loved ones or or you know it wouldn't reach the depth and so i do feel like as a soul we do incarnate with certain intentions of like okay i'm gonna go through this hard experience i'm gonna go through that hard experience i'm gonna you know be born with no legs or i'm gonna be born like this and these experiences create that duality for us to be able to see and experience the greatness of love but it also does have to unfortunately come with experiencing some of the greatness of pain and i do feel like it the more we experience pain the more we actually are opening up to love not that you should ever seek pain i don't think (laughs) i feel like our world kind of you know life experience will show you enough of that anyway but when we do go through hardship in life it will open you up so much more to like the greatness that's there so i do feel like as a simulation as a game it makes sense that we would have all these different things if we are in control of it of course we would still incorporate hardship of course we would still incorporate pain it only makes sense that's why our video games reflect that too that's why our other simulations they'll always reflect that because we do need that we need that duality without it life becomes very dull we take things for granted it becomes boring and You know, we kind of lose touch with the deeper aspects of life.
1: Yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's yeah, that's a wow. I'm gonna have to think about that one. (laughs) So yeah, yeah, I've got one last question for you. Okay, you're talking about Yogananda earlier, and Mm -hmm. he just he knew that his incarnation was done, and he moved on, right? Mm Let's just say for hypothesis sake that this happened to you right after this conversation. You knew, you know what? That was it. I just feel like this is it for my incarnation. Not saying that that's how you feel because mm-hmm. it may not be how, but let's just <laughs> hypothesize that this was the last time you were ever going to talk to any humans, the last time you're going to be able to say anything to anyone. And you knew that, "Oh, okay. Well, this is the last time I'm going to say anything. What do you think would be the message that you would leave the Earth with? It could be anything, about anything. It could be a paragraph. I've had people say a quote. I've had people say one sentence. It could be a thesis. If you knew this is it, and you just wanted to tell people something from wherever, whatever you're feeling about life, about the universe, about anything, what would it be?
0: I love that question. Um, the first thing that I would want to say and remind people of is like, you are the creator of your reality. You absolutely are. You're in control at any moment, even the moments that you feel like you're not in control. There's always a choice. And the reason why we feel like we're not in control is because we believe that we can't do certain things. We believe like, oh, I can't do this because then this repercussion or this and this and this. But it, at the end of the day, there's always, there's always a choice of something that we can do. You're always a creator and, don't be scared to go into the unknown sometimes. Like the unknown is where we're going to discover so much more of our greatness. Um, And you literally are the creator. So when you go into the unknown, realize that you're not going into the unknown, walking into something that's pre-written. You're walking into something where you get to write that and you get to navigate it. And even if you get, rejection it's just redirection and that again is one of my favorite things and another thing the last thing to remember is kind of what we were just recently very much talking about is that even if you're going through pain or hardship realize that it's growing you it's growing you like a muscle and even if it doesn't feel like that at times because i i have been there when you feel really crippled by a situation to the point where you're like this isn't teaching me anything like i'm i'm at the lowest of lows like you know that's also a moment where you are growing the absolute most and it is also a beautiful time that should be embraced because you've never ever ever heard of a great story where the leader or the protagonist or the, you know the the main character didn't go through something insane in order to become who they're meant to be you know and you don't have something that's pre-written you're not meant to be anybody other than who you write for yourself you can write anything you'd don't i would say for a lot of people stop seeking your purpose stop trying to find your your purpose you're the creator of it so ask yourself what do i love like what do i really really love what do i want to create what do i want to be remembered for and even if it's something abstract is like i really love love like that's fine go in that direction explore it more see like where that guides you just follow what you love inside and even when you're going through that pain remember that that is also one of the most beautiful moments of life even though like it's so hard to accept that in the moment um but it is one of the most beautiful moments of life and you're going to come out that stronger than ever you're going to the gym building the muscle like like you're at the same point right there where you're just like you're going to become stronger and there is likely going to be more purpose that you discover for yourself through that you know i've discovered more of who i am through my tragic moments Probably equally as much as I've discovered myself through my great moments. So, both of them together create who you are, and you get to decide what to do with that. You are not your past. You are not necessarily even your present. You get to decide what you are in the present moment. So, even if in the present moment you're like, I'm this person right now, it's like you could change that right now. You can change that right now and completely redirect your life anywhere and just know that and, you know. Do do great things. Focus on what you desire more than what you focus on what you don't desire. And you're going to go in great places. And you're in control of that. You can shift it at any time. (laughs) And so it is. That that was a lot.
1: (laughs) That's perfect. It was perfect. Thank you so much for coming on today to the podcast. I just want to say, before we wrap up here, you're an absolute champ because my dog has been whining outside of this door and it seemed like it didn't even bother you and you, you probably heard it. You did an amazing job with that. <laughs> I just want to say I got to figure that out. It might be because I have the blind pulled because I was trying to keep the lighting the same because that for my editor actually. So I'll have to try and pull it for another podcast. So sorry about that. I did want to say that. No worries. <laughs> and um, last thing is where can people find you? Oh, what, what do you got going on?
0: Yeah, got a, got a couple things. So YouTube, the gem goddess, I talk about manifestation, uh, mostly tarot and astrology on there, but also the manifestation stuff. Um, Instagram is the goddess gem on there. Um, I also have a, a website, thegemgoddess.com. There that you can find pretty much anything on there. And um yeah, that's basically where to find me.
1: All right. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, and we'll see you next time, folks. And until then. Peace. All right. If you enjoyed this podcast and you got some value, if that's entertainment, maybe it's knowledge, whatever it is, consider subscribing if you're on YouTube. And if you're not on YouTube, consider following the podcast and uh, maybe even leaving a nice five-star review for your boy on uh, either Spotify or Apple podcast. And if that doesn't suit you, maybe think about grabbing the old book, 10 Secrets of Awakening, because this book has got a lot of nice reviews and a lot of people seem to like it. And I put my heart and soul into it. And hey, I think it might help you if you're interested in uh, consciousness, self-realization, life transformation, those type of things. Otherwise, I will see you in the next podcast. We've also got more podcasts here on Universe Game. If you want to keep going in on those, those are quite nice. All right, I'll see you in the next episode. And until then, peace.